<clears throat> All right, everybody ready? Yep. Ready to go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Bottom Sprocket. And things look a little bit different today because we are doing it fully remote. We've got Josh up in Colorado and Whitney over in her house somewhere else in Austin because she's got a little human and an even smaller human running around. And so getting out to where I am is kind of a pain in the butt. So we're doing it remote for the time being. But uh, you still got all three of us, and we're doing it on this uh, lovely StreamYard setup. We are still testing some stuff, so it might be a little bit rough today, but we are going to have fun because I put out a poll over on my YouTube channel, and that poll was basically, how do you buy your motorcycles? If you're out interested in looking for a motorcycle, how do you like to buy it? Had five, uh, five different categories let people uh, enter in. And then we have a whole bunch of comments and stuff. There were almost 7,000 people who uh, replied to this. <laughs> a lot of interesting data, so it should be fun. And we will, of course, start with how we like to buy our motorcycles. But without further ado, let's dive on in. Whoo! Long morning. Ah, uh, so... <laughs> What a rush. <laughs> <laughs> this is our first time uh, getting on camera for 2024. How's everybody have a good holiday and all that stuff? We got to do the obligatory holiday stuff. What did I even do? What did you do, Josh? Um, I kept it. We, we kept it pretty low key. We, we kind of like ignored Christmas around here. <laughs> we did put a tree up. We did share some gifts, but, uh, you know, it was the first Christmas since my mom's been gone and that was her jam for sure. So it was a little sad, uh, but we ignored it and got through it and doing okay now. Doing pretty good. Had some fun on new year's Eve and, um, did you eat yeah. a pound of mushrooms? I should have, I really should have. <laughs> <laughs> I feel no. like doing a bunch of mushrooms on new year's Eve would be very interesting when the fireworks start going off. You'd either have a really great time or you'd really have a bad time depending on who your shaman is. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like really new into uh, dream work and like understanding dreams, dream analysis and like dream exploration and lucid dreaming. And that form of consciousness has a big parallel with psychedelics. So I have uh, reinvigorated my enthusiasm for taking mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> You're working through the dark stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's been fun too. It's been kind of cool. Hell yeah. What about you? What about you, Spike? Uh, well, I just went back up to the Midwest and we did <gasps> my wife's side of the family Parker. and uh, my side of the family for a week. Um, it's, it's a little bit uh, grueling doing the entire family because we're up in Madison, uh, the suburbs thereof, for a few days. And then we're down in Chicago and uh doing it in a week is a little bit tough we need to come up with a better idea for next time but uh you know fairly low-key holiday i mean we had a whole bunch of other stuff going on earlier in the year so at this point our main goal for 2024 is to have a precedented year because we bought a house we got married we got we had to go back to the uh uh Midwest, we did a whole bunch of stuff. So we're trying to not set any new like personal bests this year and just kind of live for a while, which um that would be nice. 
Just going to settle down. Try to anyway. But, nice. uh, you know, I'm sitting here being like, oh, I should do this, that, and the other thing for the channel. I want three videos a week, blah, 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 blah. Oh, so, of course, I can't. <laughs> I've got brick down on the gas pedal uh, work-wise. So, you know, same old, same old. Nice. How about you, Whitney? I made uh, bosom, which is like Korean lettuce wraps, and drink a bunch of champagne. <laughs> Hell nice. yeah. Nice. Yeah. That was, and it's cool. So like our, our backyard neighbors light off fireworks in practically our backyard. So I can lay in bed with a Negroni and watch fireworks from my room. <laughs> Hell yeah. Wow. Luxury. And my kids sleep through it. So I was like, this is perfect. Got unsolved mysteries on fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> if you've got good food and you've got good drink, like that's all that matters. Yeah. The kids are asleep. Yeah. Easy. fun. Very nice. Well, on that note, I feel like the obligatory holiday stuff covered. You got more guitars what? in the back. I see them. Uh, so <laughs> that one right there, that's the uh, my newest pride and joy. It's a Epiphone Les case? Paul that is currently in my room. Uh, it's the Matt Heafy Signature 7-string Les Paul. Super wow. excited about that. Um, he's the guitarist for Trivium. I even have his fret wrap right there Whoa. yeah so um something of a trivium fan but uh yeah so there are a couple of extra guitars that one there's a box behind it i'm trying to sell some too so uh one in one out same deal with motorcycles because there's 10 of them in the garage right now so can i borrow one for coda or gp rather sorry you absolutely can for sure awesome and josh mine... if you want to come down for gp you are more than welcome uh i've got bikes <laughs> Got bikes on bikes. Hopefully, this hasn't been revealed on the channel. Hopefully, the VMAX will be running by then. Oh, that's Ooh. right. You bought a VMAX. I have yeah. a VMAX, baby. I spent $700 to buy a VMAX. That's um, awesome. Not running? Not, not running. running. But I, okay. did get it to, I did get it to start on starter fluid. So it's basically I need to pull the carbs out, rebuild the carbs, get everything running. A couple of little fixes here and there. Uh, I'm thinking about yeah. actually going up to Cousin Bob in Arkansas. Oh, that'd be fun. And just mm -hmm. uh, hitting up Cousin Bob and having him he'd be like, oh, carburetors. Here you go, brother. Yeah. Yep. Is it, it's two on that bike? It's not four, right? It's probably just two. It it's is four. four. I was about to say, yeah. It's four carburetors. They're mounted on the top of the engine sideways. Like, you know how like the float and the diaphragm are usually top and bottom. They're mounted mm -hmm. like this on the VMAX, which is weird. Mm. So um, my hope is because the guy only put a thousand miles on it in like the eight years he owned it. Uh, th don't get excited. This thing's got 70,000 miles on it, but he only put a thousand of them on there oh. that it sat with the float bowls empty, but I can smell the varnish. So I'm a little bit nervous. So I'm going to run a lot of sea foam through there, see if I can get it to clean up at least get it to run because if it runs even if it runs like ass i can still make a lot of good content with it um but vmax baby 700 dollars. heck yeah it's a yamaha you'll be good yep it cleaned out it'll it'll love to run it'll be so excited to run how again many, how many torque bits does it have 140 horsepower and like 80 foot pounds of torque with horrible horrible awesome. brakes perfect yeah it's it's the this is the widowmaker. This VMAX era is the widowmaker. So um 
a lot of people died on it, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah. People love to wrap themselves around telephone poles on these VMAX. I didn't understand the hype behind the VMAX until I saw the original commercial, and that shit had me rolling so hard. <laughs> it was like the, I was like, oh, this commercial oozed by me right now. Like, Hell drop what you're yeah. doing and fucking buy me. It's such a piece of, piece of beautiful gold. I cannot wait to get this thing running. And my plan is to rent it out and, I've got die. a whole video series going on right now with it where basically the pay, the members on the Discord kicked in cash to help me buy it. And anything over the purchase price goes into fixing it. And then we're going to flip it and see how much money we can make. And then all of the proceeds go into the next spike where we buy, fix it up, flip it. And then I'd like to essentially get to a point where we can go buy one of those used Ducati Penegales off of a guy who... Bought, spent like $22,000, got a 13% loan, had never ridden before, rode it for like 500 miles, and then is selling it because they have no time to ride. Mm -hmm. Right. You're like trading up from a paperclip, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, nice. it, it should be interesting. It's entirely audience funded right now, but I'm hoping that the proceeds start to grow enough over the years that uh, we start getting some really awesome motorcycles. And who knows, maybe if we roll enough bikes into it, we build up enough uh, in the bank, we get a full-on arch motorcycle one day. That would be really sweet. Um, that would be cool. Nice. That would take a lot of work, though. If I'm doing this still while I'm 50, Keanu, I'll hit you up. I found a wrecked M1 for like a grand. Whoa. Yeah. Although wrecked bikes, I don't know how much you want to. It depends on what wrecked means. Like yeah. if the frame is in good shape and the motor still turns over, everything else can be fixed. Although on an, on a bike like that, you're talking about a lot of very expensive suspension components, a lot of very expensive braking components. The wheels themselves are, oh my God, expensive. Because I think that doesn't the M1 come with carbon wheels? Oh God. Surely it does. Yeah. Yeah, that would be... That would be uh, heart attack inducing when I saw the final bill. But the cool thing is with this whole process is I'm, I've got a spreadsheet that I've been tracking all of my expenditures so that the people on the Discord can see it. And we're going to go over exactly what everything costs to get this VMAX back up and running, which I'm super excited for. It's going to be a lot of fun. Very cool. That's cool content. Yeah. But speaking of content, we need to get into the actual part of <laughs> Let's today's podcast that we were actually <laughs> going to talk about. And that is how you like to buy your motorcycles. So I know that we three have different ways of acquiring our motorcycles. So let's just real quick go through what is your preferred way to buy a bike? Josh, how about you? Um, I would say slightly used well taken care of from a private seller is probably my favorite yeah so you're not you're not a dealer guy like mm, no not really okay. i mean i just bought a bike from a dealer it's cool there's it definitely has its perks right. um but nah i don't I, I i like how much money you save when you buy a used bike <laughs> <laughs> how about yeah, you Whitney? That's, that's my favorite I'm going over the, all the times I bought a bike from a person and it didn't run, which was every time. <laughs> and they said it did. But then again, I was a lot younger. So I was like, okay, it started when they, when they turned it. I think now would be a lot different. 
but I'm just coming off that brand new bike high. So I know what I'm looking for. So yeah, Facebook marketplace is kind of where I would probably. Do you have a new bike in the stable that I missed? No, I'm just like the last four bikes Uh, I bought were all from dealerships. And then the first three were from Craigslist, but like no one sells on Craigslist anymore, which is funny. It's, it's all, it's all Facebook now. Yeah, as somebody who's been trying to sell shit on Craigslist lately, it's a nightmare. Yeah, it doesn't. It. It, it's weird. I think it's abandoned a little bit. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's people, they just charge now. That's the thing. So it keeps off all the people who don't want to pay money to to list it. But that also yeah. means that you're actually getting good stuff. People are actually trying to sell, which is a good thing, I think. Yeah. Um, I definitely prefer buying a. If I'm buying from a dealer, it's brand new. I'm if I'm paying that dealer markup, I'm buying a brand brand new motorcycle because I know that uh, they're they're not making any money on it. I know that their uh, margins are as tight as I can get it. If I get them to budge even a little bit, that's pretty darn good for me. And I can stomach the assembly charges a little bit more on a brand brand new motorcycle. But if I'm buying used, I have no compunction buying a piece of shit anymore i really don't as long as it's in generally good shape and it, even if it doesn't run i don't care my last two motorcycles that i bought the v-max and the honda neither of them ran so uh we're gonna we're i'm completely okay putting them back together uh because you can get some really really great bikes for really cheap but i would not recommend that way to go yeah, there's something special about getting like a really cool bike for like a thousand bucks or under a thousand bucks when you, you you're gonna have to put work into it, like I did with my GS or you did with your V Max. Like, there is something really cool to that. If you're set up and have the tools and the knowledge and the space and the time and other bikes to ride, I love that. Is like probably the most satisfying because like you created all of the value of that motorcycle. But I agree, buying used from a dealership. They don't love those bikes. That's for sure. Yeah. I've, you know, I've seen the things they do to them to make them passable. And, ugh, what a nightmare. You know, what's weird is uh, Ride Now doesn't purchase bikes anymore, but they have a third party purchase bikes. Rumble or something? Rumble. Really? Yeah. They don't actually buy the bikes anymore? No, it's weird. They're like, no, we, we don't buy bikes. You're going to have to talk to Rumble. And I was like, what? That's bizarre. And then AF1's so, like, yeah, we'll take it and you'll we'll sell it for you. And, you know, you can make the, per- we'll just take a percentage. Like AF1 was like way more personable about it. And well, that's because AF1, they're awesome. Yeah. And right now it's a little less. So if you're, if you're in the Austin area and they don't pay me to say it, buy from AF1. They're, they're badass. They're, they're a great team. Uh, and they, they limit the bullshit. Uh, uh, so I bought two motorcycles from them, both used buying experience is so easy there but that's just screw you over either no no they 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 won't they won't screw you um but that's just our take on it so now we're going to pitch it over to the youtube folks because these folks have uh some interesting ideas about buying bikes and it it's it's fun to go through it so taking a look at this we see that the number one purchase, the number one preferred purchase is lightly used from an owner. And I consider lightly used to be like under 15,000 miles. 
I feel yeah. like that's a pretty fair assessment for lightly used and high mileage is over 15,000. Some people were giving me shit being like, it's only high mileage if it's at 50,000. But I feel like you think a, over 15 K is high mileage. I tend to given the way that motorcycles are ridden. Yeah. Hmm. Across all genres of bikes. Maybe a little less for cruisers because they're not really rung out. What would Josh actually probably has a good idea idea of this. What was high mileage at G force? Yeah. Right around 15,000, I think 20, maybe some people might say over 20,000, but that's the thing. Like, I feel like so many bikes don't even make it to that type of mileage. Like right. they just don't get ridden a lot. Oh, um, I see what you're saying. But like, you know, your gold wings and touring bikes obviously usually have a lot. A touring bike under 30 is not really that high mileage or a cruiser or something like that. Beginner bikes, like I feel like lightly used from an owner could be like a beginner bike that mm -hmm. maybe someone bought new. And then then you're probably looking at three or four thousand miles before that person decided they wanted to trade up to a new bike. Um yeah, I don't know. It's not that I mean, condition can be all over the place for a 15,000 mile bike, right? It can be like really nice and always taken care of and has 15,000 miles and it was loved and has one or two owners, or it could have been passed around and molested a bunch and <laughs> poor, poor, poor motorcycle, poor Jixer 600. Just It's always those bikes. It's the 600s. Yeah. That are, if they're 15,000, if they haven't been wadded up by 15,000, they're ruined. Exactly right now. Yep. <laughs> they they have been just slapped with the tackiest mods in the world. Yes, um, exactly. It's a miracle that my F4i, which is at almost fifty three thousand miles, uh, is not an absolute disaster. It's yeah. close, but it's not an absolute <laughs> disaster. You got it figured out. <laughs> yep. So next uh, down the list is actually one that I was kind of surprised from was buying brand new from a dealer. I was kind of expecting to see lightly used from a dealer be more of the second place runner. Cause I feel like you can negotiate a little bit more with a, with the lightly used bikes. Um, that's usually been my experience versus new where the margins are zero basically, you know, um, and, you know, they're buying all these used bikes cheap. They're not giving the owners what the bike's actually worth. So because they got to make their they got to make their money back. But, you know, if you've seen one that's been sitting on dealership showroom floor for a couple of months, you might be able to walk in and be like, look, I won't take it at six grand, but I'll take it at five grand out the door. Yep. Yeah. From my experience, there's a whole lot more margin on them. Um, we would get the opportunity to buy bikes when they came in on trade at what we paid for them, like as an employee. Yeah. And I mean, I saw so many people get thousand dollar bikes that, that would have been three or $4,000 bikes on, uh, on Facebook or something like that. They do not pay you a lot of money for them. Um, and I know auction bikes are a little different because usually they're pretty crusty and take some work to even just be, presentable enough to sell but uh especially the trade-in so if it's a dealership that does sells a lot of new bikes they're gonna have a lot from trade-ins that they're trying to sell and they yeah they've got a lot of a lot of room on those mm -hmm. yeah i get why people want to buy 
new from a dealer though, as opposed to buying used. Like I said before, those uh, assembly charges and stuff like that, they are, they're a little bit more palatable on a bike that theoretically they at least had to put the handlebars on, at least yeah. to me, um, versus, you know, a lot of the fees that a dealer may tack on. However, I think it's worth pointing out that a lot of those fees, like registration, titling, all of that stuff, maybe they charge a little bit more than the state offices, but some of it, you're just going to have to pay yourself anyway. You're just not going to have to pay it when you buy the bike. So I think yeah. some people get those fees twisted in their head. Yeah. People definitely can walk in and be like, I'm not paying that. I'm not <laughs> yeah. paying that. And they're like, well, we have to pay that when we sell this to you. So uh, there's no margin already. We're not going to eat that cost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it, those fees usually don't go to the dealer and I don't assembly fees kind of make up for um, the business of actually stocking bikes. Cause manufacturers will charge dealers to stock, don't they? Yeah, you have flooring costs on machines, so they come in and uh, you have like 90 days to sell it, basically, where you're not paying anything, juice or flooring on the machine. And then after that expires, then you have to pay them interest on that machine while it sits on your floor because you haven't Jeez. paid for it technically at that point. Um, yeah, and, and it varies a lot. They do a lot of like promotional programs to incentivize dealers or flooring assistance programs. Or uh, if you um, order a bike pre-sold and you say, hey, I've got a customer here who wants this bike right now. I'm ordering it um, for that customer. Then you get priority in the shipment of that unit. So um, that comes with no 90-day flooring assistance or anything like that. So if that customer backs out of the deal, that's why they hate when people back out so much because then they get, they get from day one, they have to start paying juice on it uh yeah it's it's a whole complicated thing and dealers really do get screwed on that um but yeah i know at geforce we've had months where we're paying over thirty thousand dollars a month just in flooring Whew. good yeah. lord yeah i mean that's a that's a rough business model and it's it, i think that's a detail that a lot of people don't know about when they're like why are dealerships so freaking expensive because yeah. manufacturers make it hard for them to make the money. Yep. That's why on new stuff, they're only making money on this uh, freight and setup, dock and tax fee type of stuff that's usually a markup. You know, there mm -hmm. are definitely some dealers who have the model of we're not going to gouge you on that stuff. And we're going to hope we can make money selling you helmets and jackets and service and things like that. Um, and there are lots of dealers who do that. And there's other dealers who can't quite do that and so mm -hmm. they know they have to make that money on that initial sell and uh yeah so they're going to charge you an, a very annoying fee just to buy it from them you see you saw a lot of that during the pandemic a lot of it i bet it skyrocketed then just because nobody was well you had that pandemic donnie dollar come in and then everybody went and blew it on power sports stuff or hiking equipment or whatever and then everybody just stopped buying right it was just a seller's market there wasn't enough bikes for how many people to want to buy them so you could pass on pass on it at any time be like yeah it's fine if you don't want to pay that i've got six other people here waiting to buy that same bike so mm -hmm. and that's kind of why prices spiraled a little bit 
Because yeah. I know uh, my buddy Ben, who I filmed the MT09 video with, he paid like almost 13 grand for his MT09 SP. Wow. Yeah. At the height of the pandemic. Um, great bike. Not a 13 grand bike. Because at that point, you're talking MT01 money. Yeah. It's great to buy if you work there. That's for sure. They, they really hook you up at that point. You don't pay any of those fees. You pay it at invoice plus a small percentage to cover the uh, assembly of it, like the actual cost of the assembly, not what's charged for it. Uh, that's a smoking deal. Mm. Then I think it's kind of interesting here that the fourth place was somebody who wanted to buy just an absolute crusty nugget on <laughs> Facebook Marketplace and pay nothing for it. I would have expected that to be kind of a niche sliver and definitely behind 15K plus from a dealer. That was kind of an interesting result for me. Yeah, because that's this is, I guess, this is the category you fall under, right? Or if traded a six pack and some Pokemon cards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for so for the F4i, I spent $1,100 and I got a motorcycle and a stand, a pit bull stand, which those are like 200 bucks. Even even used, you can sell pit bulls for like a hundred dollars. So I got my money's worth out of that. And then for the VMAX, I spent seven hundred dollars on it. Um, literally the night before, I was looking at it. I was looking at the thing, and it was fifteen hundred bucks. And I was like, oh, damn, I really don't want to spend fifteen hundred dollars on this bike because it had a, it. It was running at the time, and then he posted it for seven hundred dollars, and I was like, done because it doesn't run. Yeah. But I started it in the driveway, and then I, I watched the guy's face. Just, oh, <laughs> well, damn. it's kind of weird to say that it runs and then put put a price and then change your mind and cut it in half. You know, it's it's not like much had changed. So mm. the chances of you starting it were pretty high. Yeah, he just didn't. He just, he didn't he was care. trying to jump it with his car on a on an old battery, and motorcycle batteries they're really delicate things when when they when they die they are just dead and there's no bringing them back from the grave. i just learned that the hard way was the uh smart being weird yeah like um like it the it, key turns and everything all the lights come on and then when you click it nothing happens and i just remember you saying because i start thinking in the car brain like oh shit that's probably you know xyz but you were saying when a battery goes on a, on a bike, it's just like all sorts of weird stuff starts happening. Mm -hmm. So especially one that's got all those electronics. Yeah. But you've had a lot of battery issues with your smart, haven't you? It had a faulty battery and that's when it was throwing all those like weird headlight codes. Yeah. And your dashboard wasn't working right. The dashboard still doesn't work. That's when it gets really hot outside. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, the things I do for just how that bike looks is borderline yeah. stupid. So that's KTM for you though. Yeah. What the hell? I you also know? think though, to, to talk about, you know, trading Pokemon cards for a crusty nugget, there's something fun about seeing, like you said, it was 1500 bucks and then you check the next day and it was 700. Like you're milking that dopamine gland. You're like, oh fuck yes, I'm gonna get this bike. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's gonna have a large crowd because you know we want to see what what you can get and what you can find. Like that, that's like a whole nother reality. True. It's kind of that um, like that treasure hunt mentality when you go to Costco and you start wandering through like the front of the store and they have all the like fancy 
new electronics, almost like the as seen on TV section at old um, Bed Bath and Beyonds, where you'd walk in and all the as seen on TV stuff is right by the registers, just to like that impulse buy. Yeah, but instead of like a heated toothbrush, it's a fucking VMAX. <laughs> <laughs> But I think people also like kind of get forced into that category too when you want to buy and that's the only option. It's the only one sub $2,000 to buy a two-wheel death machine. So, Dude, 12 years get. ago, two grand used to buy you a lot more. I hate to sound like a boomer or something, but God <laughs> damn, you used to be able to buy a lot of cool stuff for two grand and now it gets you nothing. Even before the pandemic, I bought my first 919 for three grand. That's a great price for that bike. I was and looking at dirt bikes in 2019 for 1500 bucks. Like how good luck yeah. finding one for yeah. $1,500 that, that it even has two wheels. You know? <laughs> yeah. I just went through that with my dad's dirt bike. We bought him the we, but this was one of those cool, like chasing dopamine scenarios where you're watching the listings and you find somebody who's got to move next week yeah. and, and take them. And oh, I feel yeah. so bad. I don't want anybody to be in that situation where they're giving up motorcycles for less than they're worth, but it sure is fun to be on the other end where you get a smoking deal, uh, on something like that. Cause yeah, we bought that bike for 1500. We've put no more than $500 in parts on it and that's it awesome. is nice now. Yeah, yeah he, awesome. he has a very nice dirt bike now. That's more or less, not counting the tires, that's more or less what happened with my F4i. So I put new seals on the injectors. I flushed the injectors. I put a new fuel pump in the tank. And uh, I think that's it. I think that's all I did. It was like $150. And this bike went from 1100 or from 1100 with the stand to now when the new fairings come in, um, I could sell it for $4,000 easily, mm. even with high mileage, just because it's going to be a really nice example of an F4i. Yeah. And of course, tires are freaking expensive. I spent like tires. $500 on Dude, Diablo tires 4. Are they don't have to be. You bought expensive tires. You could have gotten GPR 300s. It would have been okay <laughs> <laughs> for ha less than half that price. But I am trying to take it to the track. I don't want a GPR 300 yeah. on a racetrack. Yeah, that's fair. Because <laughs> I, I was on the um, NK. It has the Sportmax tire. And I could feel it stepping out from underneath me around turn one at Coda. I was just like, this is not okay. <laughs> this is not fun out here. Dude, what's your least favorite turn at Coda? Okay, my least favorite turn at Coda is the set of chicanes. So three, four, five, when you're going through the chicanes, because the line is really hard. And if you mess up the first one, you mess the second one up harder and you mess the third one up harder. So if you fuck up turn three, you ruin the whole sector. So that one sucks, and I still haven't figured it out. My favorite is actually sector three. When you're coming off of turn 12, you hang the left, that's and then a you have the that's double right. That's so cool. I think I almost crash every time at turn 11. Like turn 11 was just like, it's so sharp. It's right before the straightaway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so sharp that you can't even see where you're so going. when I when I did it with the guys at um, Ride Smart, I did their learning Coda course because Ride Smart's a track day school, not just a track day org. 
um, the guy I was running with uh, was basically like, you don't turn for turn 11 or turn one until it's 90 degree. It's at your nine o'clock. Then you're actually going to hit the apex. If you turn any earlier, you're going to miss the apex. So it's late. It's a very late apex on that corner. So it's like past the corner. So like you go all the way around the corner and then the apex is there. It's really weird. Um, I'm so jealous. I haven't ridden it still. Oh man. Let me know when an opportunity comes up. Uh, I'm a, I will I'll, come down for that. I'll get with um, I'll get with my guy at Ride Smart. I'll see if I can get us in. I, I want to go too. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll get see if I can get all three of us in. Um, I've got my F4. Uh, we can take. What else can we take? I'm Maybe I can get part. another uh, CF Moto for the weekend, and then. Um, Maybe we'll give Whitney the Hornet because you're not going to crash it. Or the VMAX. The yeah. VMAX would be a get bikes. death machine on Coda. Oh, my God. <laughs> it would be yeah. terrifying. I would not want it because it, the brakes are there. That's all I'll say. The brakes exist. Uh, but let's dive into some of the comments on this because... There's a lot in here that, that's really funny. And of course, the first one comes to us from Full Metal Corgi, uh, who if you've been around the block a little bit, uh, you know who this dude is. And he's like, I'll literally strap lithium fire hazards to a 1980s Craigslist find. No title isn't a red flag, but a challenge. And then Shade Tree Surgeon hops in here. This guy gets it. <laughs> I yeah, wouldn't no, recommend no title this isn't a big deal. I don't know why. So, I'm kind of in that camp too. If you don't have a title, but you can prove that you own the bike, I really don't care. Title bonding does not scare me. Um, it's actually really easy and it doesn't cost that much money. I had to t bond the title for the F4i. And as long as you can prove ownership, I don't care. Yeah, and you can run a VIN before you buy the bike to check if there's a report on it, if it's been reported stolen or anything like that. So, Or if there's a lien on it. So like you can know... Mm -hmm. more or less uh if it's safe yeah you just run it through the state in texas it's actually really easy to get a texas vin it does cost a little bit of money to get like the full background check here in, the, in texas but uh i would just do it and then if it all comes back clean just bond the bike who gives a shit But I, I know I know it kind of scares people because the idea of a bond getting revoked and a lot of dealerships, they won't touch bonded bikes just because they're they're the, the, in theory, the bond can be revoked. Um, I actually talked to John in one of the videos uh, that went live on the channel and talked about title bonding and he won't he AF1 does not touch bonded bikes. They just won't do it. It's it's the end of the deal but you can i sold the drz with a bonded title for like four grand so yep it all comes down to the buyer uh let's see here we've got bought my first motorcycle for two hundred dollars two years ago 85 gold wing with over a hundred k miles not running and now it has been almost fully restored and runs strong that's wild. See, my That's question awesome. there is how long did it take a, from the point when you bought the bike to when you first rode it? 
because that's two years. <laughs> yeah, two years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so he doesn't say, oh, it's an 85 gold wing. 85s were four carbs. They had four carbs, I think. So, uh, and it's two on either side because it's a big boxer. The amount of shit that's on that motorcycle, I can't fathom taking that thing apart. Yeah. Because you rode the 87, Whitney. You remember how big that barge was? It's massive. Yeah. That would be kind of just nightmare fuel to me. I mean, I tried buying one for 800 bucks, but we couldn't get it down from Montana. <laughs> what, I like was the, it running? Uh, yeah, it was running, but it needed suspension work and... um. New brakes, obviously. You should have just taken the van. I looked. It was, a. I think it's 20 hours away. 40 mm-hmm. hours in a van for a bike. I'm like, no, pass. <laughs> I did worse for for less. I drove, I drove to Oregon to buy the Hawk from Sturgis. So I don't know if I've told this story on the, on the podcast, but I drove from Austin to Denver where Josh and I, uh, met up because you had to throw a bunch of shit in my van so that we could go up to Sturgis, mm-hmm. which that whole thing was maybe 24 hours in the car, something like that. Eight, 18, 20, 24. Then we went back to Denver filmed for a day, which we did the GSX eight S. Then I drove from Denver to, uh, I think just outside of bend, Oregon. And, uh, then I went down from there to Texas just for a $800 Hawk 250. <laughs> I spent more in gas than I did on the motorcycle. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, that, because you did it does not make it reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> it was done. You did it. You're not advocating for it very well, though. <laughs> yeah. It was a fun experience. I bet, yeah. <laughs> So this guy here, first bike is a 93 CB750 for $900, needed a carb rebuild and rode it for three to four years. And it was a great starter, then moved to a lightly used 2014 CB1100. And that was a huge upgrade. So I think in terms of project bikes, if I was going to say one thing, and I think everybody here would agree, stay the fuck away from carb project bikes. (laughs) <laughs> it gives you, you know, like, like our commenter here without that experience, if you just go straight to a new ish motorcycle, you'll, you'll think that all motorcycles are great like that. And you won't have any appreciation for the older, more difficult to ride terribly, you know, designed and sketchy motorcycles that we actually now love. Like there's a really fun bit about riding those now. Um, but I feel like if you just go straight to buying a new bike, then you the first time after you've been riding your bike for two years, the first time you jump on a bike from the eighties, you're like, why on <laughs> earth would anyone ever ride this thing? Cause they're cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was my experience on the gold wing was like everybody's like oh this thing's amazing it's the it's the gold standard of touring motorcycles and I was like yeah as long as you don't have the death wobble at like 35 miles an hour <laughs> cuz there was literally a point where you would roll up on the gold wing 
and it had great power. It was really comfortable, but you would let go of the handlebars was coming down and they would just slap all the way from one side to the other. It was terrifying. Yeah. But that's, that's, that gives you the spice of life. That's mm -hmm. the best in your step. This one right here bought a 1993 ZZR 600 for 500 euros. And he's put almost uh, 50,000 kilometers on it. That's wow. nuts. That's pretty cool. I like those people who are dedicated to one bike. It's like a unicorn. That means yeah. that he's really hanging on to it. How long have you got? How long do you guys normally keep a motorcycle? I'm curious. Trade them like Pokemon cards. <laughs> yeah. I've had them for a long time. Like my GS is the one I've had for the longest now. And that's over two years at this point, three years ish. Same with the, the, the current SV that I have. I got it around the same time. I kind of keep them for a while. The longest motorcycle I've ever owned has been my KLR 650. It has just <laughs> surpassed the DRZ as the longest lasting motorcycle in my garage. Um, and it is officially on the chopping block. I'm getting ready to sell that bike. I need to take it out and wash it, but I've had it. I bought it in March of 22, I think, or March of 23. I don't remember. I mean, no, I guess it's 22. If, if I think about it, I had the, the, uh, XSR for almost six years. God damn. Really? Yeah. It's a while. Yeah, it was a 2016. And what year is it? 20, 20, 25 years. Yeah. Damn. That's impressive. But I just got, I bought more bikes. I didn't trade it for them. But yeah, no, the XSR was a great bike. And then, yeah, the BMW I had for four or five years. So I guess, but that doesn't seem like a long time in the grand scheme of things. It's a long time for me. That's freaking dog years. Yeah. When did you start riding? You started riding. I started riding, riding in 2016. Oh, when shit. I down yeah. Here. Or no, mm. 20, officially, I, I bought my first bike in 2016. I was licensed in 2017. So, um, in 17, 18, 19, 20, 22, 23, it's been 30 years, seven years I have had, there's 10 in the garage now. And I sold like seven on top of that. So 17 motorcycles. That's that YouTube blood running through your veins. Yeah. Admittedly, <laughs> I do do this for work. So they come and go. And some of those bikes are not mine. The, uh, just the live wire has been sitting in there since August. So I count it, but um, you know, yeah, yeah that's kind of crazy. That I, I mean, I don't know many people who are like that. I feel like even like the collector type of rider who wants to find old cool things and bring them back and then probably plans to keep them forever. Mm -hmm. They end up with a lot of bikes as well, but I feel like they're still keeping them for a long time. I don't keep mine. The Ducati lasted a year. The Moto yep. the Moto Guzzi I'd like to last a year, but depending on when the new Ducati six nine eight mono comes out, it might be on the chopping block. Unless I can sell the KLR for what I want it and get a good down payment on the on the Ducati. Um, yeah, yeah I'm surprised you still have the KLR. I just can't ride it anywhere. That sucks. It sucks you having can't an ride it anywhere, and yeah, it's just like you've got so many other options. Yeah. I want a super sport. I'm probably going to get rid of the 8S eventually here pretty soon. Are you going to go for the 8R? No. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> no way. How dare you? No. Honestly, I want like a 
like a Penigali V2, probably Damn. something like that, or an RS660 maybe. I don't know. I want a Super Sport. Spicy. We're, I'm actually going to film a video with my buddy Ben this week talking about the RS660 versus the CBR600 F4i. Mm. That'll be fun. Cool. Does um, Ben yeah. have an RS660? No, we're just going to get the tester in oh, F1. Okay. He's out. got the the MT09SP and then the, the Tuareg. Tuareg. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'd like to do while they have an MTO or a, a Tenere 700. I'd like to do a adventure showdown um, video. That would be yeah. a lot of fun. But we'll see how it goes. A uh, couple more comments here before we wrap it up. I I appreciate this one. Bought a neglected 2000 VFR 800 three years ago. Uh, maintenance is on point. Learned a bunch. Um, I miss my VFR sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's a boring motorcycle, but the engine is phenomenal. I yeah. really like the engine on those VFRs. And the, the 2000, I think that was Gen 7. Um, so I think it had VTEC at that point. Um, those are that's such what you, That's what you had when I met you. I remember you were just always, yeah, you were just always talking about VTEC on your bike. <laughs> <laughs> so ingrained in my memory. Did you ride the VFR ever? No, I never did. Oh, man. It's so unique, that bike, because at 5,500 RPM, it goes from two valves to four. Right. And it, it turns into a completely different bike. It's really cool ton of fun it's so weird now that i think about it like why do you need that on a motorcycle <laughs> like is it a fuel economy thing yes yeah, that's what it was it was a fuel economy deal and i bought it in great shape um not a not a lot of money but uh it was it was fun to it was fun to experience something really weird in motorcycling but my god was it heavy yeah and then I like this one here from NZ Ponch. Having someone else do the break-in period and work out all the initial gremlins is fine by me, though I'm quite partial to the last one. Um, yeah. So meaning he likes to trade Pokemon cards and stuff. But I think the golden time for a used bike is like 2,000 miles. If you can buy one with 2,000 miles on the clock, perfect. Because that's just enough for it to depreciate, but not enough for it to get really beat to crap. Because also, if you find the ones that are like under a thousand miles from a deal, like like they're selling it, they haven't hardly ridden it. They're hoping to get all their money back out of it that they spent at the dealership, and it's yeah. almost always stupidly overpriced. It's like chill out. This is still used, even though it sat in your garage for three years and didn't get ridden. We're not giving you that money for it. People don't um, understand that the second you write it off the lot, I'm not giving what you paid for it. Right. Same thing with mods too. You can put the nicest oh, Rizoma stuff, SC project exhaust, full tune. How about this? Take it all off and give me the stock parts. I don't care about that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't add any value. This one's kind of interesting from Mike7933. The first bike was a Vulcan 750. And now he's got a Facebook Marketplace Rebel 500. I don't know that that is the win that it that he's like advertising it as. And I bought it with 120 miles on it for 
5.8K. That's not that. I mean, what is a <laughs> yeah, Rebel? What are they new? I don't even know. Yeah, Rebel 500. Rebel 500. That's like the cruiser y kind of thing with the CBR 500 in it, engine in it. They're brand new, $68.99. So you got it for like a thousand bucks off. Eh. Yeah. If it's the bike you wanted, that's a better deal than from a dealership. It better run like a dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's going from a V-twin cruiser to the Rebel. I don't I don't know. I don't love the Rebel power plant. I think it's okay. The eleven hundred is fun. The five hundred is adequate. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I bought all my motorcycles. I lost lost count after a hundred plus, with few wow. exceptions from private owners. <laughs> Talking to them and inspecting the machine, those riding at home usually got me bot? great deals. Dang, freaking hundred plus? plus motorcycles! God damn, you've got to be like, like buying and selling or something at that point. No one does that as a hobby, surely. Unless Benjamin, he's like explain 80 yourself. years old and has been flipping bikes like two a year for every year he's been alive. <laughs> I don't think even I've ridden a hundred different bikes. I that think would if be I... awesome though. Imagine every season having like four or five motorcycles come and go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you start to rack them up. How many, how many do you think we rode back in the Yammy Noob days? 40 at least maybe 12 bikes a year 12 12 uh giveaway bikes and call it another 24 bikes so three years but they're not all the they're not all different so definitely not a hundred different bikes no that's insane a hundred plus different motorcycles <laughs> let's hit them Holy up shit Oh man, these guys with street glides from dealers. I always feel so bad. Um, I bought an eight month old 1100 mile street glide, um, 15 year old electric glide, uh, new K1600. K1600s, those are actually really nice. Those bikes are sweet. One of the only flat sixes still in production, I think, right? I don't know. Let's see here. Do we have any other wild ones? I'm trying to go through them quickly. Lightly used from a dealer. No preference. I'm a huge fan of POS Hondas. So I buy those secondhand and tinker on them. Put the Z900 RS. I really want one. Uh, I mean, Hondas are a good get just because they make so many parts and Honda reuses so many parts. Like my Hornet has the um the throttle position sensor is literally off of a honda civic which is kind of cool hmm. that is cool but generally those are some vibes from the comment section i figure we'll start wrapping things up here so feels to me like the the win for buying a motorcycle is lightly used from an owner that's probably the takeaway here. And then the worst is probably buying a carbureted motorcycle that doesn't run like my V-Max. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. 
And then there's plenty of people who are just happy enough to get ripped off by a dealership just for the ease, just because it's worry-free and you can take the bike home quickly and mm. it works. Any parting thoughts, anybody, before we send them off to that good night? I mean, I remember, let's see, Husqvarna started at some ridiculous price. It was like 12. You're got, 701, you mean? Yeah, and then I got it. Somebody told me, like, hey, they're nine grand now. And I was yeah, like, they oh. started at, at 12 because that's what I bought my SMCR for. Um, yeah, and then I was like, oh, I'm there, and I bought it because... It's like some in the same thing with the R9T, like that started at 13 and then I got it for 10. Like, I'm not sure. I guess they're just, I don't know, sitting on the floor. I don't know why nobody wanted this fart peeling. I thought that bike was sick. Um, I don't know why either. It's kind of a weird, I think just Husqvarna doesn't have enough brand recognition, but it's definitely the nicer bike between the SMCR and, uh, you know, the smart i would take the smart every day because the smcr was fun but it sucked to ride for a long time when there's like for for a naked bike with that type of power and displacement there's a lot of options and people mm -hmm. buying that bike are already have experienced and can probably buy whatever they want whereas because i know the 401s they sold like crazy but oh yeah when they came when they came out there weren't a lot of really good you know 400 cc bikes like they're fixing to be here pretty soon um, that's my guess. I don't know. I, I, I would just say, uh, you know, we're talking about our preferences and stuff, but don't let us discourage you Buy the bike. Yeah. But whatever the option is buy the bike, you're still, you're still getting a motorcycle, which yeah. inherently is awesome. Yeah. I liked one of those comments where he was like, it depends on the bike and it depends on the time. Yeah. It's like, sometimes you're, I came out of a chapter of buying a bunch of bikes that didn't run. So you're like running to the dealership and then now I'm done with that. And now you want to run back. It, it just kind of depends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You still thinking about getting a project bike, Whitney? I want a dirt bike. I think I want a dirt bike before I get a want to get a project bike, get Fair a project enough. dirt bike and really hate my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll keep my eyes out. If I see a good one for you, I'll let you know. Yeah, that's the next move. I just, yeah. And I and I feel like, because um, dirt bike motors run on hours, right? And they're like, oh, this is X amount of hours on it. It'd be kind of fun to just sit and swap shit out. Yeah. And they are technically easier to work. It's much more common for somebody to do a top and rebuild on a dirt bike than it is on a street bike. Yeah, then I get both. I get a project and something that's a little bit more fun to go ride. And you can actually ride a dirt bike around here. There's places that you can actually go do it and have fun. God, somebody was talking. Have you been to Hidden Falls? Not yet. I'm, you I'm can going, rent bikes there too, I found out. I'm going uh, sometime this spring. I need to get the Hawk out there and just hate my life because the suspension is two pen springs and a pogo stick. So, <laughs> but bring a, bring a winch. Oh yeah, no. I'm I'm just gonna put it in my in my van, and if it breaks, I'm just gonna throw it on throw top it back in the van, or just yeah. leave it on the side of the road because I paid eight hundred dollars for it, and I just don't care. But with that being said, guys, I think we'll wrap this one up. Let us know down below what you guys think about where you like to buy your motorcycles and how. And we will catch you guys in the next one. See you later. Noise. I'm going to end the recording.
Good work.